Well, we're in the middle of a series called uh, Being Rich and What Matters Most. And if you remember, one of the things that we've learned is that each and every one of us have some really good news. And the good news is what? We're rich, right? Some of you are still having a hard time saying that, aren't you? Uh, but you are. Compared to the rest of the world, you're rich. If uh, you made $1,225 all last year, not within a month, uh, not within two months, but all year, you're in the top 50% of the wealthiest people in the world. And if, as a total household, you made $34,000 all last year, you're in the top 1%. You're the one percenters of the wealthiest people in the entire world. Now, that's the good news, but if you remember, we learned that there's some bad news too. And what's the bad news? We're rich, right? The good news is we're rich. The bad news is we're rich because what happens as we gain more wealth, what we have a tendency to do and what we're tempted to do is to trust in our stuff more than we trust in God. Now, today I want to talk about something that might make you feel a little bit uncomfortable. And I want to talk about this concept of being a rich giver, being a rich giver. Now, if I had to be honest, I would say that for most of my life, I was not a rich giver. I was a poor giver. In fact, I would be called a tightwad person because I just didn't give anything away. I just like consumed it all, kept it for myself, and that was it. But my brother and sister, they were spenders. They liked to spend all kind of money. And uh, at the end of the month, they often would come to me and they would ask for money. And I'll never forget one time uh, my sister uh, came to me and she said, Chris, can I have a dollar? And I was like, for free? She's like, yeah, could you just give me a dollar? I was like, oh, no, no, no. I don't give money away at all. Um, I will let you borrow a dollar, but there's going to be some interest connected to that. And she's like, okay, no problem. And you want to take a guess what my interest was? My interest rate for CJB Bunch Communications? It was not 5%. It was not 10%. It was not 50%. It was 100%. So if she gave me a dollar, or if I gave her a dollar, she had to give me $2 back. And the sucker did it! Again and again and again. That's what she did. She would... Give into that. But unfortunately, folks, that didn't stop then. It continued on. And for much of my life, I was not a rich giver. I was a very, very poor giver. Now, I want to ask you guys a question, but I don't want you to raise your hand or give an answer until I kind of give it a little bit more context. Uh, so I want to ask this question of you uh, this morning, those of you on the stream as well. Here's the question How many of you love to be below average. I mean, you like to be below average. I mean, you like to be on the bottom half. You like to be the lowest part. Like, you want to be below average. Just raise your hand if you're like, I wake up in the morning and I tell myself, I want to be below average. No one's raising their hand. And I bet no one on the stream is raising their hand either. 
But truth be told, folks, for many people in this auditorium and those of you on the stream, when it comes to giving, many of us are below average. Now, when it comes to spending, many of us are above average, right? But when it comes to giving, many of you are below average. Aren't you glad that you came to church today? I mean, it's a little bit, you know, hard, but I want to speak truth to you that the reality is, you can look at it statistically, most people in the church give about 2.3%. In other words, we are below average when it comes to giving. Folks, the reality is, is that when you look at the rest of the world, people here in this auditorium and people are the stream are extremely blessed. You and I are blessed and blessed and blessed. And studies show us, uh, believe it or not, that actually the more that you have, the lower percentage you actually give. And this is crazy, folks. But people who have less actually give a much higher percentage. Now, obviously there are uh, exceptions to this. But statistically, that's the way it is. I read a study uh, that talked about if you took the top 20% of the wealthiest people in the United States and you compared them to people who are the lowest 20% of people with income, the people at the lowest actually give twice as much percentage-wise as those that give the most. And it's accurate. You're like, there's no way it can be. No, it is. Here's another thing I read this week. People who are at the poverty line or below tend to give eight times more, are more likely to give eight times more than people who make $75,000 or more. And it just shows us, folks, that many of us, many of us are below average when it comes to, to being generous, to giving. Now, many of you would say in your mind, no, I'm a generous person. But if we were to take a, a percentage of what you actually give, you would kind of be below average. Now, in sharing this, what I don't want you to see is that God doesn't want you to enjoy what you've been given. In fact, uh, Scripture throughout says God blesses us with many things that he desires for us to enjoy. And in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17, it says this. God richly provides us with everything for our, what's the next word? Enjoyment. God wants us to take just some of what we've had and give it away, but he wants us to enjoy what he's given us. But he also wants us to be a person who's willing to share, to be not below average, but above average givers. Paul, the guy who wrote close to half of the New Testament, is considered one of Jesus' closest followers, was writing a letter to one of his mentees one day, a guy by the name of Timothy. And this is uh, his writing. He, he says, I want you to tell people who are rich, people like you, people like me, to be good at being rich. And then he said these words, command them to be good to be rich in, what's the next two words? Good deeds. 
And next week, that's what we're going to talk about. It's being rich in good deeds. Uh, I think it's my favorite of the series, so I really want you to come and invite one. Invite some person to come. We're going to talk about being rich in good deeds. How can we do that? Then Paul goes on to say this, and to be what? He says, and to be generous and command those who are rich to be generous and be willing to what? What's it say? Share. Now, for the rest of our time, what I want to talk about is how truly rich people give. Because truly rich people are not below average givers. Truly rich people give. So how do truly rich people give? And this is your first fill-in that you have this morning. And truly rich people give strategically. Now, you might not have been able to do that word spelling-wise when you were in elementary, but we give it for you. So uh, strategically, that's how truly rich people give. Now, for me, folks... When I finally got a strategy to my giving, it changed my life. It changed our marriage. It changed our entire family. And we'll talk about that in a moment. Now, Paul, the guy who wrote uh, to Timothy, also wrote to a church in Corinth in present-day Greece. And Corinth was kind of like Las Vegas. There was all kinds of money flowing into it, and money was there. There just wasn't a great deal of giving. And after he started a church there, he writes a letter back to talk to them about the importance of giving. And he says, this is how you should do it. He said, each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not what? What's the next word? Reluctantly or under compulsion for what kind of giver does God love? God loves a a cheerful giver. Paul says you should give Whatever it is that you have decided to give, so what does that mean? What that means is that you actually put some thought into it before you walk out your door. Before you get to this place, before you get to any place, you think about it. What am I going to do with my giving? I have some, what could I do to give? And maybe you talk to your spouse if you're married. That's a really good thing. Like, talk to them And then talk as a family. And maybe most importantly, talk to God and then whatever God tells you to do, then decide ahead of time, this is what we're going to do. We're going to make a decision on what we're going to give. And when we do it, we don't do it reluctantly. We don't do it feeling guilty. We do it with a sense of being pumped up. And hey, I'm excited that I actually get to give. Let me give you an example of this. Uh, my wife uh, is amazing. Uh, I'm married way, way up. And uh, I'm so grateful for that. And I'll never forget our first anniversary. Uh, I was so excited about getting our first anniversary gift that uh, our, our uh, anniversary date is July 23rd. But I had picked up a gift in the spring. And I was so excited to have this gift. It was perfect for her. And I was so, um, you know, filled with, with excitement to give it to her. And, and I almost, you know, a couple of times just kind of told her what it was. And, and I was like, no, 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 I, I've got this. And I held it back and I held it back and I held it back. And then the day came uh, for what I thought was our anniversary. I was like, oh, this is going to be great. And uh, 
She never talked about our anniversary the entire day. And I'm like, what is up with this woman? Like, who did I marry? Like, who did I marry? She doesn't even remember our anniversary. And so I'm like, I wait for much of the day until finally I'm like, hey, I got something really special for you. You know what today is, right? And she said, yeah, it's June 23rd, like with a puzzled look. And then she walked out of the room. And she walked out, and I'm like, what is up with her? And so I followed her, you know. That's what men do. We follow when we're angry. And I, I follow her, and I was like, what are you doing? I was like, don't you realize what this special day is? Like, today is our anniversary. And she said, Chris, today is June 23rd. Our anniversary is July 23rd. <laughs> and all of a sudden, I had that song come to me by Brittany. Oops, I did it again. You know, and it was just like the beginning of doing this. Now, this is what I want to tell you with this whole story for you to realize. I might have been a month early for that first anniversary, but I was not reluctant. And I did not feel any compulsion whatsoever to give. I was excited to give her a gift. Why? Because I had decided ahead of time. I had prepared myself. I was going to be a cheerful giver. I was just a month early. You know, the problem, folks, with most rich people is that they don't give strategically. And because they don't give strategically, they tend not to give very spontaneously either. Now... Uh, We talked about this last week. The reality is, as Christians, as people following Jesus, he was both a spontaneous and strategic giver, and we want to follow that. So if there are spontaneous things, like someone in your small group is going through some kind of medical issue, we want to be able to be there to be able to help financially care for them. A neighbor gets diagnosed with cancer. We don't go, well, stinks to be you. We want to spontaneously give. We want to actually say, hey, here's a couple of gift cards. You could go get some food um, on us. Here it is. It's important to be spontaneous, but it always begins, first of all, by being strategic. And rich people give strategically. It's kind of like the wise men when they went to go see the baby Jesus. As They were getting ready to go see the baby Jesus. They decided ahead of time what they were going to give, right? And you might remember they brought three gifts. They brought gold, they brought some incense, and they brought some myrrh. Now, what they didn't do was jump on their camels, go halfway across the Middle East. They actually get there, and then they're like, oh, shoot. Who forgot the baby gift? Like, this stinks, We forgot the baby gift. Well, just stop by Walmart, get a poppet or one of those, you know, lawnmower blowing machines and we'll be good. No, 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 no. The wise men actually prepared ahead of time. They decided what they were going to bring to him. They gave strategically. They had a strategy before they got there. So let me share with you kind of the way that my wife Jennifer and I got to our strategy. It's important to us. We use a strategical kind of way of giving that is called the tithe. It's in the Bible. And strategically, uh, that's what we do. We, we give a tithe. Now, for those of you that are not Christians right now, many of you are like, what is he talking about? This sounds crazy to me. 
Like you have a strategy of how much money you're going to give. That seems nuts to me. Um, but if you're not a Christian, this is what I want you to know. This doesn't apply to you. Okay. Now, some of you that are Christians right now, you look pale. You look very, very pale right now um, because it does apply to you. And uh, some of you that are not Christians, you're like, "Woo, uh, I don't have to worry about this. But those of you that are Christ followers, you need to really think about strategic giving. And I want to talk about this because I think the tithe can grow you spiritually in your life. In the Old Testament, Malachi chapter 3, verse 10, it says this. It says, bring the whole, and what's the next word? Tithe. Now, the word tithe comes from the Hebrew word masser, which means a tenth or ten percent. And then the verse goes on to say this. Bring the whole tithe into what? What's it say? Into the storehouse. Now, what is the storehouse? Well, in the Old Testament, the storehouse was the temple. In the New Testament, scholars believe what we're referring to is the New Testament church, the church that comes together. We return 10% of what God blesses us with into the storehouse that there may be, what's the next word? Food in the house. Now, what's the food? The food is the announcements you saw. The community basket. How is it we do that? We have finances that then we give away to care for the needs of other people in our community. The church provides for that. Now, folks, I just need to be honest with you that when my wife Jennifer and I uh, first got married, we did not tithe. Uh, We got into some huge credit card debt. And we got in so much debt that we had to get a debt counselor to kind of help us out of that. And uh, we lived in two separate locations our first year of marriage. And so we had two apartments that we paid for, and we made $16,000. But we both felt so convicted and felt like we were robbing God in some way that we said we're going to come up with a strategic plan, and this is what our plan was. We were going to get out of credit card debt. We were going to start saving just a little bit, and we would start tithing Not quite to the tithe, but we would give 5%. And we said each year we're going to increase by a percentage as God shows us. And we did that until we finally got to 10%. And for the past 24 years, we have always said that the tithe, and sometimes we give more than that, but the tithe is the bottom number that we'll give. That's the beginning mark to be able to honor God. Now... Let me share with you personally two reasons why I choose to tithe. The first one is this. Tithing teaches me to put God first. Tithing actually teaches me to put God first. In fact, in Deuteronomy chapter 14, verse 23, it says this. The purpose of tithing is to, what's the next word? To teach... You to always put God where? First in your lives. The tithe teaches me that as God blesses my life, that what I'm going to do is I'm always going to have a significant way that I'm going to put God first. I've heard it this way before. I give God my first and my best, and I trust him to bless the rest. Let me say that again. 
I give God my first and my best, and then I trust him to bless the rest. Now, some of you who are Christians are sitting there right now and you're like, Chris, there's no way I could do this. If you only knew what our financial situation was like, there is no way we could do this. I mean, I would have to completely rearrange my life, Chris. I would have to reprioritize. I would have to make some significant changes. Are you telling me that that's what I should do? Yes, I am. That's exactly what I'm saying. For some of you, for you to do this would be the most incredible spiritual gift of the rest of your life. To rearrange your life in such a way, in a tangible way, that you're going to put God first in every area of your life, including your finances. Now, The crazy thing is that there are a lot of you that are here right now who have been blessed very much, and you could do that starting today. But all of us could choose to say, hey, I'm going to start doing a percentage of some time like Chris and Jen did. They started with 5%. I'm going to do that, and then I'll increase it by one. The thing that has been amazing to me in the life of the jar is how many single parents, single moms, We'll start at a, a percentage. One, one sent me a, a, a letter a couple of months ago, and they started at 3%, and I was talking to them, and they're like, I arrived. I was like, you arrived? Well, what did you arrive to? And, and they're like, now I'm at 10%, and two small kids, and, and they're doing it. And she's like, now I get to see the blessing so much more, and I get to be a part of what God's doing here at the JAR In a powerful way. You have to determine, though, that you're going to give strategically. And when you do, what happens is, folks, you are no longer a below average giver. Now, the second reason why I choose to tithe is this. Tithing increases my faith. Tithing increases my faith. Folks, as I've chosen to give God first, what I find is I see his goodness in great ways because of that. He's proven himself faithful again and again and again because of that. Because this is what I really honestly believe. That God can do more with 90% that is blessed than I can 100% on my own. Let me say that again. I really, really honestly believe that God can actually do more with 90% that is blessed than with 100% on my own. Well, once uh, Jen and I uh, finally got to the point of getting to a tithe, uh, we had lived in apartments for seven years. And we had saved a little bit and some uh, uh, changes in jobs changed to where we were able to get our first house. And so we moved here to Muncie. We looked at 20 different homes until we found uh, our home. And we looked at it and we're like, ah, you know. And uh, then we looked and we're like, ah, we can actually afford it. You know, we can live beneath our means. And uh, so everything was working out well. And uh, we prayed about it. And then we made an offer. And uh, this couple accepted the offer. There was only one problem that we didn't know because we had never been a part of a home before. 
uh, or purchasing a home is that there's this little thing called closing cost. Uh, some of you are like, oh, yeah, 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 I've been there before, too. Well, we had no idea what closing costs was. And uh, all of a sudden they said, well, you're going to have to bring $1,500 to your closing. And I'm looking at Jen. I'm like, we don't have $1,500. Like, we just don't. And uh, I was like, how are we going to do this? And then this plan came to me. I'm not sure. It might have been from God. I'm not sure you can tell me if you think it was or not. But this was my plan. We'll just stop tithing for a few months. And then we'll pay God back. We'll kind of like give God an IOU. You know, like God will get you back a little bit later. And uh, so I told this plan to my wife, Jennifer, who is often much more spiritual than I am. And she said this, no. She said, we're not going to do that. She said, we're going to tithe. And I'll never forget this because she's not a big rhymer. But she said this. She said, we're going to tithe and God's going to provide. And I was like, okay, I guess that's what we'll do. And so two weeks before we were supposed to go to the bank to get everything finalized, we still had no $1,500. And um, we got a card from some friends of ours who were friends of my parents, and her name's Rachel. She just died this past December, uh, 93 years old. And uh, her husband, uh, in 1998 had just died of a heart attack. And she had sent us a card. And she said, thank you so much for praying for Joe. I was just thinking of you guys today. And I felt a prompting from God asking me to send you a gift. I hope this helps. Know that I love you and you're in my prayers. And in the card, there was a check. Now, those of you that are in your 20s, a check is something you actually write down and you give, because I know many of you do not believe in any of that, okay? But, but that's why you write down, and, and that's like money. It's like real money. And so we opened it up, and it was for exactly $1,500. Now, this is what I know for some of you right now. This is what you're thinking. Oh, man. You mean all I got to do is pray? And then, you know, I just give some money? And then when I miscalculate closing costs and everything, that God's just going to, bam, send me a check right into my lap. Well, he might, but guess what? He might not. Okay? The concept of tithing, folks, is this. That when you do it, God says that he will provide. He will provide for you and your needs and many times even your wants. Well, the passage in Malachi continues on in verse 10 as it says this. It says, test me in this, says the Lord God Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be enough room to store it. It's like God is saying, hey, I know you're scared. I know you have your doubts. I know you look at the spreadsheet and the paper and like this isn't going to work. And God says, but I want you so badly to be rich givers and not below average givers that it's the only place in the Bible that you'll find it. Jesus actually said, don't test the Lord your God. But here it actually says, Jesus says, no, there is one area that you can do this in. And it's in this area of finances. He says, test me in this. Test me in this. It's almost like God had one of those late night infomercials. You ever watch those before? 
You know those infomercials that say something like this? Test me or your money back. You know, just test me in this or your money back. See if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven. But wait, wait, there's more. You get something on top of that. It's not just this item. I'm going to give you four more. And he says, I will pour out so much blessing, there will be room enough to store it. God actually says, just test me in this. You know, maybe some of you on the stream, maybe some of you here in the auditorium today, at some point in your life said, you know what, I'm going to do that. And many of you are, you are, and that's awesome. Others of you said, hey, I'm going to do that. And then you tried and then you got scared and then you got worried and you pulled back and you're like, I don't know. I just don't know. But I'm telling you, folks, that if you'll choose a strategy of giving, you'll be able to understand and live out what Jesus' words were told when he said this. It is more blessed to actually give than to receive. And you can see that blessing. You know, we've done it our best way. They made fun of me in the video. I don't like my staff very much, but, you know. I love them. I don't like them. But they said, even Chris can do it. Like on the app, folks, we've made it so easy. You just push give, and then you can decide on your own. I want to do it once a week. I want to do it once a month, whatever it is. And people have told me again and again, man, once I did that, I just lived my life not missing that anymore. And some of you, if you're old school, if you're like, hey, I still like checks. Just We got envelopes at the guest connection. You can do that. Go to uh, the black boxes. Put those in there as well. Folks, I really do believe, though, that if you'll choose to become strategic, and for some of you, maybe you're like Jen and I, you're like, hey, I can't do that right now, but, but I can do 5%, that if you'll do that, you'll begin to start seeing a huge difference in your life and will make a bigger difference in our community. I want to close uh, by simply sharing with you a story of uh, one of the first times that I led a mission trip. It was a very, very small group of people. There was another pastor, myself, and we went to Tijuana, Mexico on a mission trip. And when we got there, uh, we actually lived in people's homes. And the very first night uh, of the, this person's home, and, and it wasn't like your rich people homes. This was like our sheds of rich people, like where you put your lawnmower and that kind of stuff. That was their entire home for a family of eight. And they had two mattresses. And they had a mom and a dad and six kids. And the way they slept was they took one of the mattresses and all six kids slept on it, end to end to end to end. And then mom and dad slept on the other. Well, when they found out that the two of us were coming, two pastors, they said, we're going to give each of you one of our mattresses. And we said, no, 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 we don't, we don't want to do that. We'll, we'll be fine. No, 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 we, we want to. We want to give this to you as a gift. And so I slept on one and my buddy slept on the other. And it was dark at night and I wasn't sure even where the family was at, but they said goodnight and that was it. Well, in the middle of the night, I had to go use the restroom and I went out to their restroom, which was an outhouse on the edge of a cliff. And I kept thinking to myself, this will be horrible if I die. You know, seriously, like in the toilet, you know, like off the edge, like just bad. And uh, so I survived that, and I started walking back up, and I looked out 
And there was this family of eight, all of them, lined up, one right after the other, sleeping on the ground with blankets over us, with blankets over them. And I walked back into their mattress and slept until we got up the next morning. And when we got up the next morning, the wife was so excited. She, she made us eggs, and they got meat for us, which was very, very rare for that family. I'm sure they'd spent tons of time. We're like, no, 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 you eat it. And they, they didn't even eat. We ate it, and they were so happy that they were able to give to us. And my heart broke in that moment that I will never complain again about the fact that I'm rich. And there are some people in this world that have much less than me, but they are much richer in what it means to give. You know, this is the truth, folks. And I just have to say it as plainly as I can. I think today what breaks my heart is that for some of you, you are so rich and you just don't realize it. And some of you throughout this teaching, you're like, oh man, this is it. This is it. This is the last kind of money teaching. We're going to talk about being rich in good deeds next week, rich in God at the end. And some of you are like, oh, great. Man, all he does is talk about money, that pastor up there. Just money and money and money and giving. And this is all I want to say to you. If that's your attitude, that's a bad attitude. And I've learned this over time, folks. You don't want to give a dollar to the jar, don't give a dollar. Don't. We'll continue to bless you. We'll continue to bless you because that's what we do. But we're going to be a church, folks, that is rich in what matters most. And we're going to be the kind of people who are rich givers, not below average givers. Why? Because God has given so much to us. And because we have more, we're going to give more. And we will be rich in what matters most. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for all the many blessings that you give to us. As we think about what's going on right now in the Ukraine, people's homes being blown apart, running away, leaving everything. God, we realize today how rich we are. God, help us today to choose not to be below average givers, but to be strategic givers in all that you give to us. Help us to put you first, God. Help us to grow in our faith. Remind us that you will. You'll provide for all of our needs. Today, if you want to be generous, if you're like, wow, I... I do. I I was convicted today, not by Chris, but just by God saying, would you be strategic? And no one looking around, no one looking at anyone. The lights are down anyway. If you're like, you know what? I don't know if I'm quite there yet, but I do want to pray about having a strategy. Maybe for others of you are like, no, no, no. I, I want to think of a plan of how I can get to that tithe. 
If that's you, if you're like, I want a strategy, I want to be a strategic giver, God, I need your help. I can't do it on my own, but I want to do that so that I can bless others. You bless me so much. I want to bless others. I invite you to simply raise your hand. You've raised your hand for many other things where you want to grow in your life. Here's one area today where you say, hey, I may not have it all together, but I want to grow in this area. Let me pray for you. God, thank you for pouring out blessings into each of our lives. Help those, God, with a raised hand to realize, man, I want to be able to do this even with my finances. God, help them to pray about it. Help them to think about it. Help them to be like the wise men who before they came to Jesus, they had a plan in mind of what they were going to give. Help us, God, to be good at being rich in what matters most so that your name would be made great. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You can put your hand down. Now, there are some of you that are here that before you can give anything away... Uh, finances, help for other people, good deeds, whatever it is, what you need to give away first is your life to God. To say, God, you're the, you're the most generous giving entity that this world has ever known, and I need you in my life. And so if today's the day where you're like, I want him in my life. I need his love. I need his grace. I need his presence in my life. I'm going to lead you in a prayer, but it's not a prayer that you pray by yourself. But it's a prayer that we'll pray together. And those of you that are on this stream, uh, just repeat after me as well uh, this prayer. Let's pray together. Every eye closed, every head bowed. If you feel comfortable, just praying this prayer. Just repeat after me. Heavenly Father, forgive me of my sins. Change me. Make me new. I believe, Jesus, you died for me and rose again so I could live for you. Fill me with your spirit so I could serve you for the rest of my life. I put you first. Thank you for new life. Now you have mine. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.